Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. It's Tobin here with you. Seema's going to be out the next couple of weeks, so we will be riding solo. But I got a lot of fun stuff to bring you guys. I uh, was down at American Top Team this week. I keep saying down. I'm always in Miami when I'm saying that, so I technically should say I'm, I was up at American Top Team. I feel like it's just I'm just natural to say I'm going down because I live basically in the Great White North, and by Great White North I mean Lake Worth. So I always am. Uh, I'm always just figuring I'm going down somewhere. Anyway, I was at American Top Team this week for UFC Media Day. Um, with the intention of wanting to get to talk to Jorge Masvidal one-on-one. That ended up being a part where I was able to uh, be part of a scrum with him, and uh, it was the on the on the heels of him or on the same day that he spoke to the Miami Hurricanes, which I will spend all week on. I know I always get the text after game days, who's Hurricanes, talk Gators? Listen, I have four hours of radio tomorrow where we will talk nothing but Gators and Canes and how those Jethro's you know, had one completely gifted to them. We will get to that, trust me. But I went to this with the intention of talking to Jorge Masvidal. All the opportunity also was going to get the opportunity to speak to Colby Covington. We did get a one-on-one with him, and uh, I think when we do bring that to you guys, uh, you're going to see, I guess, the less gimmicky side of what Colby's been lately. And I think that's a it's a fascinating conversation. But we're going to put that one in the holster. Um, and today what we're going to do is bring you our conversation with interim lightweight champion Dustin Poirier and his he is now two weeks out from taking on Habib Nurmagomedov for the lightweight championship of the world but look that's one thing with this new position that I got uh, just doing the mornings now is is having the opportunity to get out in South Florida a little bit more and it's something I've been wanting to do for a little bit is is to go to gyms and get a chance to speak to the fighters in their own environment and kind of bring you some different content that way. So you guys can be looking out for that. It, a lot of it will show up on my social media. It'll show up on my YouTube page. It'll show up on the ticketmiami.com. Uh, I'm not just planning on doing this with fighters either. I want to do this with, you know, the pro teams in town, the college teams in town, just, you know, people with good stories. Cause you know, I've realized the first two weeks doing the morning show, just doing the morning show, um, you know, one of the big reasons in, in, in being when I was doing the double shift and I was doing mornings and afternoons, you know, part of the reason was I just, I couldn't just do mornings anymore. And it wasn't even the case, you know, people always say, Oh, the wake up's gotta be brutal. It's not the wake up. That's brutal. It's, it's, it's being on the opposite schedule of everybody. That's, that's a, a little bit weird. And just having this whole day in front of you and not really anything to do. You know, my kids are in school. My wife is working. Um, and so I wanted to find something productive again to do that I enjoy and what I enjoy is this, is this business. So I figure with, uh, with the time that I'm going to have, I'm going to try and do this and create more content and we'll see what happens with that. I just kind of want to do it for fun. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So just be on the lookout for that. There's going to be a lot of, uh, video stuff that will duel. It'll go on audio as well. 
Um, but for this week, we have Dustin Poirier for you guys. Uh, that is, if you guys want to see the full video of it, that's up on my uh, on my YouTube page and on my social media pages. We have Jorge Masvidal's media session. It was absolutely glorious. We're going to bring that for you later on today, show a chunk of that. It was 17 minutes of glory. We're not going to play that much, but I, I kind of cut it down to like the best four minutes that we got for you. And looking forward to it, man. It's uh, I think I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So we'll start off with this. We'll get into some of the fights from last night before we bring you George, before we bring you Dustin. Yesterday, we had a little afternoon action. We had uh, Sergey Kovalev. He was taking on Anthony Yard in Mother Russia. And I thought, this is the way I thought it was going to go. Um, I didn't know if anybody was going to get stopped in this fight. And I figured that if Anthony Yard was going to win this fight, I actually ended up having this in the Doom Picks on the morning show, and I thought if Anthony Yard was going to win this fight, he was going to have to knock Sergey Kovalev out. I didn't. I didn't think he was going to win a decision against him. It just, come on, bro, Putin. Like you're not. That's that's not a thing. You're not. You're not going in to take on Sergey Kovalev in Russia, Anthony, and think you're going to win on judges. Both judges, my cousin. You you'll not win. That's not. That's not thing. So. I went into this thinking, okay, Yard's got to knock him out. And this is a young guy. They, they mentioned this on the broadcast a bunch. A lot of muscles. And sometimes when that's the package, it's tough getting through a fight. One of the, actually, the interviews is funny. Uh, we're going to bring it to you in a couple weeks. Is uh, with Phil DeRue. He's, uh, he's Dustin Poirier's strength and conditioning coach. And... He and I had a little bit of a conversation about the whole muscles thing because I think it's fascinating that why are some dudes jacked and are fine and why are some dudes jacked and just, you know, kind of gas out. Um, so you guys can look for that. That's that's. But, but his big point was a lot of it just has to kind of do with genetics. And you can try and gimmick a lot of stuff, and of course you have to be into shape. But I think the guys who have the special kind of gas tank and the special – uh, stuff in the basement that just gets them through. I think they're kind of just born with it, um, and he thinks they're just kind of that's that's part of the element to it. It's not to say the training's not important and all that stuff, but you know, uh, you had Tim Bradley and Anthony Joshua pretty pretty quickly. Uh, Anthony Joshua, I'm sorry, Andre Ward and Tim Bradley both quickly pointing out they thought this guy was going to gas out. Part of the uh, point of it too was didn't do any sparring, so they weren't sure how much he was pushing himself in training to get through those tough points. I will say this. It looked for him like he had Sergey Kovalev uncomfortable early in the fight, then Kovalev got comfortable, started putting the fight way in his favor. We got to like the eighth round, and he started he started bodying up Sergey Kovalev, and it looked dangerous for the crusher, man. It looked like it was gonna he was going to put him away. But it, it felt like that once he didn't, that was kind of the last stand, and he didn't really have anywhere to go after that. So we get to an 11th round. Anthony Yard is very, very tired. Sergey Kovalev blasts him with his left hand, uh, with his lead left hand, puts him down. You know, it really was a jab. And, and he, once he hit that canvas, he wasn't getting up. I don't know if it was a case if he was just out, out. I think his body just didn't have anything left. So I think the punch did put him down. I think he had some wobbly legs and he was weary. But he um, he he wasn't getting up, man. So Sergey Kovalev gets himself a big win. And it was a, it was a gamble fight for Sergey because for whatever reason, 
Canelo Alvarez has his scope right on Sergey Kovalev and wants to fight him. Um, I don't really know why. It's an interesting one. I don't know if it's just to, if it's one of just those. Canelo wants to just show that he's got a couple of grapefruits between his legs, and that's just why. Um, he does have a title now and a, and a legitimate piece of the title, so you know he'd be going to get that. The one that he got against Rocky Fielding, kind of fugazi. So. I guess there's that element to it, but you know, beating a beating a Sergey Kovalev, who's kind of at this point of his career where he's he's not in his prime, he's not the crusher, he's not the one of the most intimidating guys that stepped in the in the ring like he was. Uh, you wonder what the point of Canelo doing that is when it looks like middleweight is one of the most fruitful divisions right now in boxing between the Gennady Golovkins. Uh, the, the, the Demetrius Andre, the, the, the Charlos, all the guys that he could go in there with and him representing the biggest star in that division. I just find it kind of strange that he wants to go fight Sergey Kovalev, um, in large part too, because, you know, Kovalev's recent marketing as far as a guy being a draw was him versus Andre Ward, right? Uh, I went to cover the rematch of this back in, man, this was two years ago now. Me and Leroy went to Vegas. It was a fun fight week, but for whatever reason, nobody cared. Um, And I found that disappointing on a couple levels as a boxing fan. One, when the fight was first announced, that's everything you want boxing to be. You want Andre Ward putting his title up against a guy in Sergey Kovalev who's just that intimidating, who's that dangerous. And not only that, the fight was surrounded by controversy. Everybody, for the most part, thought that Sergey Kovalev got hosed. And it ended up being a draw, a controversial draw. And people were like, man, how could Sergey get that? So you had a great matchup. You had two guys going out there and risking it. You had a controversial ending. You had... A, uh, you, you had, I'm sorry, it wasn't a draw. It ended up being a loss. I had it as a draw. Uh, I just remember in my head. Uh, but a lot of people had it was an obvious win for Sergey Kovalev. Um, so you had a controversial ending. Kovalev got screwed in a lot of people's minds. And it felt like it had all the elements to be a successful fight, and it didn't for whatever reason. I know Andre Ward has never been the biggest draw in the world, but he is one of the best fighters on the planet. And for that one not to click with the fans was a bit weird. And so the rematch did even worse. It was it went from the T-Mobile Arena to the Mandalay Bay, which is a much smaller venue. Uh the pay-per-view was a disaster. Uh the the Rock Nation and Main they took a bath on it because they owed Andre Ward a ton of money. Andre Ward ended up retiring from it. Um but for whatever reason it didn't click. And also after the rematch, Surrey kind of loses that cloak of invincibility that a lot of people thought that he had. It was uh it was interesting. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going the long route to kind of just wonder what is in this for Canelo Alvarez to want to fight Sergey Kovalev because he's not a, a, an uber star. It's not close to the most marketable fight that he has out there for him. I don't feel like he's looking at middleweight and sees that there's not winnable fights. Um, I get not wanting to fight Gennady Golovkin. This isn't a, hey, you have to go fight Gennady Golovkin again because of the first fight you got gifted. The second fight was super close. I thought that he won the second fight pretty clearly. Um, The first fight, yeah, should have gone to Gennady Golovkin. But 
I uh, I don't really understand the purpose of leaving middleweight to go up in weight to think you're going to get some huge pat on the back for beating Sergey. I just it doesn't it doesn't compute with me. If you're Sergey Kovalev, it's obvious. I mean, dude, I'm going to take on the smaller guy. It's going to be the biggest payday I've ever gotten. I, I know why Sergey Kovalev wants that fight. That's so so clear. Um, but it's weird to me that. This is this is where we're at with Canelo. It's it's just strange to me. So that was the big result from yesterday. We come back. We get into a little bit of what went down in Bellator yesterday. Some interesting results. We had Titan uh, Titan FC fifty six went down locally. Our guy Jason Soares was back in the cage defending his title. So I'll bring you those results. Plus Conor McGregor. He is uh, he did a he did an apology interview with Ariel Helwani uh, off the off the bar brawl. And again, we'll bring you uh, some of Jorge Masvidal from. UFC Media Day this week and our conversation with interim lightweight champion Dustin Poirier. Fighters Fury, we're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Big weekend for people named Sergey. Sergey Karatanov, he knocked out Matt Mitrione yesterday, second round main event of Bellator. Bellator had a couple of interesting things that went down. First of all, 14 fights, 14 finishes. Uh, so a lot of them were going quick. And it made sense because I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't I wouldn't ever want to deceive you guys. Like I was hardcore breaking down Bellator last night. I wasn't. Uh, one, because Kane's Gators was on. So excuse me. I, I just wasn't able to. I just don't know what to tell you. Matt Mitrione, Sergey Karatanov, a, a fight that controversially ended because Matt Mitrione kicked him in the bleep early in the first round. And so they have this rematch to run it back. Um, just wasn't super engaged. I was focused on business. Uh, I was able to see Nick Newell and his one arm win via arm triangle in his Bellator debut. So that's super cool. The, 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 I mean, the guy has one arm and he's fighting and winning. And that's just, I mean, that's a badass. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, guy who was in Dana White's Tuesday night contender series and wasn't able to get the win there. But to have that kind of victory uh, on on that stage in Bellator, very very cool for him. You had Paige Van Zant's husband, uh, Austin Vanderford, who I mean just beat the holy hell out of out of Joseph Creer. I mean he had just a lot of the times it's a cut that's just one cut and that's enough. Vanderford turned this dude into Swiss cheese. It was it was something. So you know trying to make a name for himself outside of being just Paige Van Zant's husband. But he uh, he looks like an absolute badass man. He really was. It was a it was a good performance. That neck tattoo is aggressive. He has a purple eye on his neck. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna act like that doesn't strike fear into my heart immediately. First of all, he is a a, a trained badass, and second of all, he's got a purple eye. Cyclops has a tattoo on his neck. I don't know if it gets more mixed martial arts than that. I really don't. So he gets himself the win. Um, yeah. I mean, those were those were kind of the big stories. The weird thing about the uh, the weird thing about the Mitrione fight was the mouthpiece. Um, he kept he kept losing it, and I don't know if it was a case of he was keeping it loose in his mouth, or he just couldn't bite down on it correctly. Um, but that was weird. He kept it kept falling out of his mouth. Dan Mergliata, you know, kind of gave him a funny warning once. Then he was getting serious about it. Then he warned him that he was going to take a point. Um, and then he loses it and Karatanov hits him with a, hits him with an uppercut without the mouthpiece. And that was kind of all she wrote for Mitrion. I don't think he really wanted to continue fighting with that in mind. So, uh, 
Um, I don't know where Mitrione kind of goes from here. I know he was he was kind of vying for that that title shot against Ryan Bader. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And you know he's kind of in a spot right now where uh, I think this might have been the last fight in his contract. Wouldn't be surprised to see Mitrione back in the UFC. Um, I think he's done a great job being an ambassador for Bellator. I guess it depends on what they pay and what a kind of a draw they're treating him as. But if I were Matt Mitrione, um, you know, I, I look at the landscape at heavyweight, I, and 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 if you really wanted to kind of throw your hat back in the ring, it's not going to take much. He's got a name. He's got some rec- uh, recognizability in there. Um, I could see it. I could see it if he if he wanted to to make the jump back. But I think it would have been the tough thing about it is it, it, you you want to go into the ne- those negotiations off a win or winning the title. You don't want to have that be the case when you're coming off a loss to Sergey Karatanov and you couldn't keep the mouthpiece in your mouth. So you know he's probably going to be there for a couple more fights. If I had to guess, uh, it's 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 a little similar to Michael Chandler, uh, even though Michael Chandler's got the belt back. Uh, or had the belt, it was uh, it was a little similar to that where, you know, Michael Chandler looked at one point in Bellator like, oh, this guy could compete with the best 155ers in the world, but just so much lack of clarity of what's going on at, at, at that division at the time it was probably better off of him just being in the brand where everybody recognizes him and just kind of waited out a little bit. So that's, uh, that's what went down as far as the action yesterday. Now, we had this. So Conor McGregor... He is back. He's back publicly speaking. He did a 41-minute interview with Ariel Helwani, and I listened to this on my on my ride on my ride uh, around town on Friday. I had to go do some errands, take the kids around, and all that whatnot. Uh, once McGregor, once the kids got in the car, though, I did have to temper it because it was really funny. Like McGregor was super buttoned up and super clean. It was very G-rated McGregor. Uh, early on is he's just, you know, hat in hand, apologizing to everybody. That's not me. I'm working on it. Um, but, you know, once we kind of got into the, the, the nitty gritty of what he wants to do, then the expletive started to fly a little bit. You know, the, op- the apology for hitting the old man, it's, it's one of these things where, you kind of just got to see from the guy. It's really hard to give Conor McGregor the benefit of the doubt as far as the person and the behavior that he's put out there. I don't think this is one of those things that's going to affect him in the box office. But if you are a fan of Conor McGregor, and I'm certainly one of those, and a guy who kind of watched him from the early the early goings in his UFC career, you know, I don't go back to Cage Warriors, but I mean, yeah, I was watching this guy and, and seeing what kind of a impact this guy had back in. 2013 2014 when all this rise was happening and he was having the 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 clean out of, of of the featherweight division it was kind of impossible not to root for the guy I mean it was crazy he was the speaking the way he, he spoke uh and 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 executing exactly what he said he would execute it just made for a very likable fighter it really did and the fact that he never pulled out of fights um kind of took on anybody anytime anywhere I mean, all that stuff as a fight fan is, su- you know, it's it's super admirable. But it's the stuff that has come with it, with superstardom. It's all just kind of been too cliche, you know. It just seems like a guy who just can't handle fame, feels like he's bigger than everybody, can get away with anything, um, and is just kind of running rampant and doing his behavior. And, you know, this has been 
this incident of hitting just an innocent dude who's old as hell, uh, who just doesn't like y- y- your whiskey. He wants to just mind his business. He, and, and, and that's the thing that's weird about it. You know, you're Conor McGregor. I imagine you walk around town, even in Ireland. I'm sure everybody wants a piece of your time, right? I feel like everybody is is in in the, the realm of, oh, I want to be near Conor McGregor. I want to you know, kind of, kind of hang out or get a selfie or get a you have, so you have the one gentleman who has, who wants no part of your free whiskey, really wants no part of you, just wants to mind his own business. And you sock him right in the face with your, with a, with a hand, by the way, we, we learned, uh, we we learned that he broke and needs to get surgically repaired. Um, you know, so all dumb and, and really just inexcusable behavior. So, you get this apology from him. You're kind of like, all right. But, you know, he it, it, almost in the midst of the interview, he's explaining that he can't help himself. That he's trying to work on himself and he's trying to be a better guy. Um, but if you guys remember, remember the whole thing that went down in Miami where he smashed the dude's phone and he ended up getting arrested down here. That in itself was like, really, man? You're going to smash a dude's cell phone? And if you if the guy was, uh, you know, pestering his kids or pestering his wife and all that, I, I get that. Then then you got to be Papa Bear and all that stuff. But like, you're you know how that's going to end up, and you just hope that he can be smarter about it. And 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 seemingly that's what he's like. He's like, yeah, I'm working on it, and I'm hoping. I think he said like, I got to be the whale, not the fish, or some bleep like that. You tried to make it a Pat Riley cool statement, but he didn't. Um, but you know, as far as the apology goes, I kind of shrug at it. I'm just like, this, this is not who I am. It's like, Hey man, it kind of goes out the window when you throw a dolly through a bus. I can't really jive with you. You can't say that's not who you are. That's who you are. You're a hothead. You, you got a bad temper. You make rash decisions and look. Some of those rash decisions have made you oodles of money. But when it gets into the public landscape and you're socking a man who's two steps away from collecting Social Security or whatever the hell the version of that in Ireland is, you know, there's there's not much you can say. It's pretty, it's pretty unexcusable, inexcusable. So, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me, the apology. Now... There were some fascinating things that came out of the interview. Um, I mean, if you want to talk about he, the the first of all, the stake of his injury was pretty crazy. The fact that he he basically smashed his hand, his moneymaker, and has just been cleared to grapple. Um, that's very interesting. You know, he said that he was all set to fight in July before all this uh, before he got hurt. So there's that. Um, there was also the uh, the talk of of uh, the injury with Habib and saying that his foot was like a balloon and that he broke it three weeks into camp and he didn't like how he trained, that he trained too hard, but the train didn't stick. I will say, watching that fight, and that was the one thing, watching him versus uh, Habib, I thought Habib dominated every facet of that fight. The Obviously the grappling, obviously the wrestling, obviously submitting him, all that stuff. Uh Hitting him with that monster overhand, looping right hand that that stumbled McGregor. 
you know, Connor can can talk about the fight and all that stuff and 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 where he thought that he could have done good things. That's cool. But in the end of it, he dominated you in every facet of the game over the four rounds game before he tapped you out. Um, but I will say, as far as how he looked in that fight, physically, one of the strengths of Conor McGregor is his movement, is the lightness on his feet, is the quickness and the and the angles, and that we just didn't see. And the fact that you're getting hit with an overhand looping right hand by by Khabib because you probably can't move out of the way like you did kind of makes a little bit more sense. I don't know if that's going to make up for it anyway when they when if they fight again, but um, it does shed some clarity on it. I don't know everybody not everybody wants to hear injury stuff when it comes to fighters and. Also, so what? Khabib still kicked his ass. But from my standpoint, hearing that was about the most interesting thing that came out of it was, all right, that makes sense. I think a lot of what we saw was confirmed with him explaining that. Um, said that he kind of fight anybody, wants to fight uh, Khabib the most, but would fight anybody, fight Dustin, fight Nate, uh, fight Max Holloway, fight Tony. It's basically said he'd fight anybody. And that in itself has always been Connor's case. He's always been willing to fight everybody. I mean, that as a fighter is what you like. He's willing to fight anybody. It's just, at this point, you just want to see him get a win. Oh, he said that July he was going to fight Justin Gaethje. That's who he said he was going to end up fighting. That's a tough fight. It's a tough fight between both of them. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's an interesting spot right now um, if he's going to fight before the end of the year. I guess a lot's going to happen with, uh, with what happens with Dustin and, and Habib. So... I will mention when we're going to get to the uh, Habib interview coming up next segment, uh, I taped that before this interview. So I didn't know that Conor McGregor was going to speak. Otherwise, I obviously would have addressed it with Dustin and uh, a former foe that he's had and all that stuff, but didn't have that info at hand at the time. But did want to bring you guys this. This is uh, Jorge Masvidal. He was at uh, UFC Media Day, American top team. And we got a chance to speak with him uh, as a media gathering he spoke did one-on-ones i think with uh telemundo uh cnn deportes and the schmo because of course and the rest of us kind of got to talk to him as a, as a as a group and it was uh some fascinating stuff mostly now it was like 17 minutes uh I'm, i took the cane stuff basically out because we played that on friday on my show and i don't really want to you know I, I, you know, after last night, why would we want to talk about that? It was a horrible, horrible ending. Horrible ending that's just gutted me and stabbed me in the heart. But on the MMA front, the Nate Diaz stuff, that was super fascinating to hear from George. And so here's a little bit of the conversation that he had with uh, with us on, what was this, Thursday? On Thursday. You know, him saying that he wants to fight you, there was a big smile on your face. Oh, huge smile. I mean, not just for the... Not just for the point that we could both make money, because I think I'm as popular as I've ever been, and same with Nate, you know, so it just would make sense on the financial side. But on the side of being a fan, who doesn't want to see these two dogs get locked up in the cage and go, you know? Which one's more dog at the end of the day? Let's find out. There's theories out there, right? There's a lot of back and forth talk. Let's just find out. Let's just find out who is the biggest dog in the division. Because that fight's going to tell you who the biggest dog in the division is, you know? So it's a no-brainer. I mean, we're not even me and Nate and you're going to have to do too much press conference because the fight speaks for itself, man. People are just going to want to see that. Shit. You're going to pay your hard-earned money to see that. So you got to compensate me for that. <laughs> you know, the baddest mother belt is on the line. Yes, does, sir. Does that mean it has to go five rounds or three rounds? What's, what, what do you think? Man, I, I go, 
which whichever one has the most zeros tied to it, my brother. You know, if it's got more zeros, that's you want eight rounds, ten rounds. Cool, you just gotta pay me a little bit more. Did you have any hint going into that weekend that he was interested in fighting you? Like, was there any rumblings? I about mean, uh, I always thought there'd be a chance, you know, because it, it's just from a standpoint of a fan. If I was in Nate's shoes, I'd like I would have called him out too, because of what it'll do, which is this. You know, everybody wants to see that fight. The hardcore fans, the casual fans, whoever the f are, you don't want to see that fight. So I, I was surprised that I wasn't, you know. Title. The title's coming. I mean, this is the only fight I would put the title aside for. Basically, you know. I'm a gambler. It. Whatever. Do you feel like Dana White was a little bit too dismissive of you, your desires for a title shot, and really kind of blew off the Conor idea really quickly? Well, he. I mean, two guys that kind of both not really embraced you guys as you guys are stars. Yeah, definitely. He's probably like, oh man, should have picked up on that one sooner. <laughs> you know, but whatever, I mean, it don't matter, no hard feelings. I'm gonna get paid back with, with taxes and compound interest and all that stuff on this fight, so it don't matter. That, that's something that Nick has always brought up, that it feels like it's underappreciated. He's like, oh, I've been in this game for forever, or it has been too. Like, yeah, no, part of it, man, a lot like Nate is, uh, I've never used steroids. I don't think that dude has either. I don't live with him, so I don't know. But from his body, hasn't really changed. He gets in better shape. Some fights maybe he didn't take it seriously. He wasn't in crazy good shape. But I don't think he's ever done steroids. I never done steroids. That might be a big thing towards the longevity. This what you see here natural, God-given, hard work abilities. You know bottles, injections in my Two years, I was really good. I won a belt. Then when USADA came in, don't nobody know where the I'm at. Nobody see me. I'm still here. Beat till it's a young bull, 20, I don't know, five, something like that. Kids a stud, beat him. And they put me up with Ben because they said it was going to be a bad fight matchup for him. Murdered him, you know. I must be doing something right, or I must have not cheated back in the day like a lot of motherfuckers did. And all you media motherfuckers covering them, knowing these motherfuckers on juice, not worried about the natural killers, the real killers, man. Because when these curtains close, some wild on this side, bro. Does it matter to you where they would have you and Nate fight with City of 10? Is there something like a lover fight not a, this place? Not a fan of New York. Not a fan of uh, fighting in New York, I'll tell you that much. I fought there, I didn't really like it. Had a couple incidences with the commission, kind of how they treated me. That they, they kind of maybe thought that I'm a professional with 50 fights. They, they, I didn't like the way I was treated there, you know. And I wasn't the only one with complaints. A lot of people didn't like the, the service over there. And uh, I, I don't care to return to New York. I'll tell you the truth, honestly. If I'm being honest with you, I don't give a f to return to New York. Plus, they got weird policies and other. You know, I don't, I don't need all that. I just don't, I would love to fight in California. I would love to do it. I'd sign on a heartbeat on it. But that 7% tax, ouch. What? I could be giving that to my family, right? You know? No offense, you know? Yeah, I mean, but now nah, I won't, I don't think the fight will take place in Florida or Miami. Which is a huge bummer. I wish it did. But I understand it's, Vegas is where it makes no sense. We had Lex McMahon from Titan FC and he's like, that, that fight only makes sense in Vegas. It's such a big deal. And I think it should be a main event fight, by the way. I really do. 
I uh, I don't think this is one of those things where um, it needs to be. You, you want to do something? Look, put the uh, put put uh, a woman's title on there, or put a flyway title on there. Put one of the titles that needs a little bit more rub, um, and make it the co-main event. Don't act like you've never done it before. You've done it before. Um, you know, Connor's not the you know be don't be afraid to branch out. Connor doesn't have to be the only guy to main event in a non-title fight. And I know, like, when that whole Nate Diaz thing went down, like, you know, the initial plan was for it to be a title fight. It's all right. Hey, expand your – free your mind, UFC. Free your mind. If you guys want the rest of that, uh, you guys go uh, check out check check it out on YouTube. The link to it's on uh, Brendan underscore Tobin on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and you guys can see it. It was, like, it was like 17 minutes long, 17 minutes of magic. Um, but, yeah, the fascinating stuff of it was the idea that he uh, obviously wants to get paid. He'll do it anywhere. And the steroid thing I thought was pretty interesting, too. That, you know, part of the longevity is that he's not broken down by a change in drug policy or that stuff because he hasn't done any drugs. So good stuff from Maury Mosfidal. We'll hear from interim lightweight champion Dustin Poirier. He got a chance to get a few minutes with him at American Top Team and UFC Media Day this week. Plus, we will get a little bit more into what went down in the world of mixed martial arts this week. We'll be back with more on Fighters Fury after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin, Leroy, and Beast. No, it's not. It's Fighters Fury. Man, that's what happens when you do a lot of radio shows. Whew. You know why? Because I was seeing some Canes Gators tweets during the... Uh, I am so mad. I can't wait. I can't wait till tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I can't wait. I, I swear to God. You wait. You rat bastards. You wait. Talking to you, Jethra coming in here celebrating I, I dare you what an embarrassment you you, you gators fans should be i'm not gonna you know what i'm saving it for tomorrow i'm saving it for tomorrow i gotta stay focused sweet science baby um coming up next week here's what we got we got some boxing action vasily lomachenko he is going to be on espn plus and that will be on uh that'll be get going from london uh, he'll be taking on Luke Campbell for the lightweight championships. He's looking to get a third piece of that. It's the vacant WBC lightweight titles on the line. He already has the WBO and the WBA. So that'll be uh that'll be a good matchup. Always love watching Vasily fight and seeing him in action seeing him in action. Uh, it's very fun. And plus you have Huey Fury versus Alexander Povetkin in a heavyweight matchup. Uh, intriguing. An intriguing one for sure. Then we have also coming up next week, we have a matchup between Jessica Andraj and Weili Zhang, or Weili Zhang, and they'll be taking on each other. There's only, there's only, this is kind of weird. They only have three fights listed on the main card. That's kind of strange. It's on ESPN Plus, so you got that going on. The prelims are going to be on ESPN. Um, I'd like to say not a card that's going to knock your socks off. So just take that for what it is. But we are two weeks out from. Dustin Poirier taking on Khabib Nurmagomedov for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. 155 has been the most talented division, bar none, over the last handful of years, really, for the UFC. It's been an absolute murderer's row between Conor McGregor, Khabib Nurmagomedov, Dustin Poirier, Tony Ferguson. The list goes on and on. Justin Gaethje. It's uh, it's been just just crazy, crazy good, man. Really, really, really impressive. But Dustin Poirier, look, man, I, I think the reason his title win, his interim title win, was such a big deal is 
in a world where the talking has been more important than ever, in a world in the UFC where, you know, it's all been about, you know, the marketability, the conflict. This dude just, what he did was he went to 155 pounds and he won basically every damn fight outside of getting cold cocked by uh, Michael Johnson in one matchup. But he's been in some of the craziest wars. He's outviolenced the most violent sport in America, in the world. And he is the one who's able to just get through the chaos better than anybody. And so he's got this matchup against Namaga Madoff. And look, not a lot of people think he's going to win. A lot of people think that Dustin's going to get steamrolled. And we'll get into a little bit of that matchup after this. But we got a chance to speak with him at UFC Media Day on Thursday. And again, I did talk to him before the whole Conor McGregor interview broke or any of that stuff aired. So I don't have any McGregor questions really for him. But uh, we talked about his preparation. We talked about how he thinks he can go and beat a guy that nobody's beaten, and Habib Nurmagomedov. And the dude is an absolute monster. He trains an American top team in Coconut Creek. He has been one of their big success stories, and now has to now gets to walk around with a with a, a piece of the lightweight championship after just an absolutely great performance against Max Holloway, who's an all time great. Um, that's the kind of class this guy should be in, man. He really he's overlooked and stuff like that, but he is really really talented and and seemingly does get better every time you see him in the cage. So this is my conversation with interim lightweight champion Dustin Poirier from American Top Team at UFC Media Day. Thanks for the time, I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for uh, the interview. How is this? Uh, how is this camp been going for you? First one as champ, um, getting ready for Khabib. Has it been different? Has it been? Have you been looking for new things, or have you just been trying to keep, keep the recipe for success? Yeah, keep the recipe for success. Show up every day, put in the work, um, stick to the game plan of, of staying off the fence and walking forward and being myself. That's pretty much it, man. The work's getting done. You've, uh, you've been running some steps at FAU, uh, using using the local community down here. Uh, it's kind of like adopted son with all the time you spent down here. Uh, is that a new thing is for this camp, or have you been, uh, always been uh, trying to use your environment down here to, to get better? I mean, we always use the environment, but this is the first time at FAU. Um, we wanted to get under the sun. Get it. They have a beautiful stadium there, uh, really tall, a lot of steps. We've been running stairs and sprints there. Just kind of pushing the pace in the sun, getting a different feel, getting out of the gym a little bit. How do you, um, as far as your, your team is concerned, I know you got like the, the, the dream team, as you call it, of all your coaches together. How do you balance that uh, amongst yourself? Like knowing I want a little piece here, I want a little piece there to get ready for a fight. Uh, it's been a evolution over the years of putting this, these guys on the same page. And, you know, they're all under the same roof. So they're, they're used to working around each other, and they all know each other from being coaches and teammates for years and years and it just kind of naturally happened you know um, they're all on the same page they all come to every practice and we know what we're working for and how do you how do you know like is it a thing for you or is it is it hard where you want to go equal or do you know most yourself like I want this certain thing on that day or, or I feel like I need a little bit more of that if they're strength conditioning boxing grappling you know they kind of all discuss amongst themselves and and I tell them how, how I'm feeling, and from week to week we auto-regulate things. If I need to grapple more, we grapple more. If I'm making mistakes in another area, we'll, we'll try to tighten that up. It's a constant growth uh, and a balance here in training camp. How does this fit for you, Dustin? I mean, like, you, you're, you're headlining for the, for the undisputed lightweight championship world. You've got a belt around your waist now or around your shoulder right now. You're taking on Khabib, you're, you're headlining pay-per-view. And it's been such an amazing time for you, man, because you made that move to 
lightweight. And, you know, did you ever picture it was going to finally get to here, and then and now it's actually here? You know, I, I never thought that it wouldn't. I knew I was working and, and fighting for for something huge this whole time. And I'm just glad it's here. I'm embracing the moment. I'm glad it's here at this point in my life and career. Um, you know, as a younger fighter, I might not have been ready for, for this position, but where I'm at right now, I'm embracing it and I'm just happy to be here. What do you think it was that, that uh, was that next step in belief? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think clicked? I don't think anything just clicked. It's just been a constant, it's just been a constant grind and, and you have to grow and evolve in this sport or you don't continue to do it for as long as I have, especially at the top of, in the best organization in the world. You don't do it for 20 something fights without evolving. So it's just been that. It's been lessons learned, staying true to the path. Um, with Khabib, you, you're a guy that, that, I mean, you soak in the violence, it feels like, these last fights. Like you almost, it's like a war of attrition every time you go in there. It's unbelievable how you're able to sustain. I don't think he's really ever been in that. Is, is, is part of the plan to see, like, hey, let's, let's see if we can punish him early and see if we can take him into the deep waters of Maui, because everybody talks about what he can do on the ground to people and all that stuff. But you do that in your own kind of style of out grinding people by making it almost the craziest fight you've seen. And and that's my always my game plan without, that's like an uh, unspoken rule. Every time I fight, that's just how I fight. I'm not even trying to do that. It's just how I end up, how the fights end up playing out. I'm trying to make it the most uncomfortable I can for 25 minutes with this guy. I want him to dig down. I want him to, you know, find out who he really is. Is there anybody, have you reached out to anybody who's facing Evanoids, Barbosa trains here? Do you pick the brain of anybody or is this something you want to go to just based on your preparation and, and that's it? I, I've spoke to Edson a little bit about how could be felt and what he thought. Um, said technically he felt really good. He wasn't the strongest guy he's ever fought, but his technique was the best uh, in grappling and positional awareness that he's ever felt. And um, that, that's cool to know that but it's going to be a completely different fight when I get in there. How do you see this playing out in your mind? If, it, if everything, you know, the visualization thing when you're laying in bed, um, if you had to go your way perfectly, where do you see this happening? I see myself stopping him third or fourth round. Boom, there he is. Dustin Poirier, thanks again for him uh, giving us some time. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's very much it's, – it's a big matchup that I'm looking forward to coming up in a couple weeks from Abu Dhabi. Very weird. That's going to be a pay-per-view in the middle of the afternoon, but, hey, whatever. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's a good matchup nonetheless, and uh, very much looking forward to it, man. So that is uh, that that's the the breakdown of what went down in American Top Team. A little bit of a weirdness. If you guys heard the the microphone rattling, um, I'm not gonna blame anybody from the UFC, but uh, my setup got a little bit screwed up based on uh, getting locked away from my equipment because of uh, some set scheduling uh, mishaps. So. You know, that's why we kind of it basically just had to get down to me, uh, Dustin, a camera, and him holding a microphone, even though that's uh, that's not how I initially had it set up. But, you know, whatever. You just do what you can do. You know what I mean? So that's what we got coming up, man. That was uh, – that's uh, this one. Oh, this one is very exciting. So we had uh, this news come out this week uh, officially. Andrew Ruiz announces that he is going to fight Anthony Joshua in Saudi Arabia coming up in December. Uh, we had Shannon Briggs in studio for an hour on Friday – he was uh or on thursday he was absolutely awesome uh the champ was great not only uh not only just doing his champness but he was great in the fact that uh just a, just a great breakdown of the heavyweight division and where he thinks things stand with deontay wilder and andy ruiz and 
had some great thoughts on Anthony Joshua and Lennox Lewis. If you guys missed that, I would download the podcast, Tobin Leroy and Beast. Uh, he was in the third hour, so just download part three, and you guys can check that out. You can also just get the interview on the theticketmiami.com. But um, that fight's finally official. I, I, I mean, I can't tell you the hell that I got from Saudi Arabia telling them how dumb I thought this idea was that uh, Andy Ruiz was going to uh, and 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 Anthony Joshua were going to go fight over in the in in Saudi Arabia. I just I don't I don't love it. I love I'd like those guys to be fighting in an environment where people care, either California or London. I just think that's a big deal. And just putting this in a temp stadium for six thousand people, um, it's just it's it's just nonsense to me. I, I I don't I don't like it. I hope that now that Andy Ruiz has agreed to the do of the fight, that he gets paid oodles of money. And all that stuff. Um, and as far as AJ is concerned, look, this AJ thing has been fascinating because he is a really, really good fighter, and everybody's at the point where everybody's dismissing the dude. So it's going to be interesting to see how he bounces back from everybody doubting him. You know, people wanting him to switch camps, people having thoughts on where he is at his career, all his shortcomings, all that stuff gets overexposed for boxers. Um, so he's at a point right now. Which is uh, which is fascinating, and there are I think some some shortcomings that he has to make up against the Andy Ruiz fight. Some I don't know that he can, um, but there's also an interesting thing where he is calling this like you know he lost on a lucky punch, and you know that stuff. I I worry that you don't think he's really come to grips with the loss or how he lost. He thinks that it was a fluke, and stylistically I do think there are things that that Andy gives him a bunch of trouble and so if he's going to get back into that in that race of of being one of the top heavyweights in the world he's got to come to grips with it this is a this is a this is a bear of a matchup that he's got coming up a, a, a really really tough one and especially if he wants to get back in talks of getting a Deontay Wilder fight um and <laughs> you know this is the thing. Like, if you think that Andrew Ruiz got a lucky punch and did that to you, what do you think? What do you think Deontay Wilder is going to do to you? What do you think? I mean, the dude has an—he has an atomic bomb in his right hand. Um, and then, and then from a boxing standpoint, you know, Tyson Fury's maybe, maybe you know, the best, the best skill set on the feet and hands that out of any of these guys. Um, definitely the the least amount of knockout power, but it's uh. He's got he's he, I I don't love hearing that him going into this matchup, but the matchup is official, so it's going to happen in December. We'll uh, we'll look forward to it and everything that it brings, man. Very very much so. So thanks again to Dustin Poirier for giving us some time this week. Corey Masvidal for giving us time this week. I will have uh, my conversation with Colby Covington coming up um, probably on next week's show. And Phil Derue, I uh, got a chance to speak with them in American Top Team, and we got some other stuff coming up this week too. Uh, that we got lined up, uh, a couple of boxers in town that I think we're going to sit down with. So keep on the lookout for that. Again, like you said, guys, uh, be on the lookout for more of a, uh, more fight content coming your way. Uh, I'm going to try and bring that to you guys with a, a little bit more time in the week on my hands, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Thanks you always for tuning in for the show. It's much appreciated. Tune in tomorrow, Tobin Leroy and Beast. We will get into Canes and Gators and Andrew Luck leaving the uh, the Colts and retiring. We will get to O.J. Simpson uh, seemingly threatening Andrew Luck. I can't say that he was threatening Andrew Luck, but it did seem very hostile on that Twitter account. I mean, i got to be honest with you because O.J. Simpson normally goes, Hey, Twitter world, it's yours truly. And he's genuinely upset that Andrew Luck retired because he took him in his fantasy team. I'm just saying. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow morning.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.